A parishioner recently sent me a link to um, Father Mike Smith's um, Bible in a Year podcast in which he spoke about false prophets who preach what the people would like to hear. Father Schmitz concluded, a true prophet will not teach the people what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. Of course, a true prophet speaks the word that God has given him, not his own word. And this is the case with the prophet Jeremiah, who had been warning Zedekiah, the king of Jerusalem, that the city would fall into the hands of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, who would capture the city and burn it with fire. And for preaching this inconvenient message, as we hear today, Jeremiah was accused of demoralizing the Judean army, and so was cast into a cistern or a well that had no water, and there he would languish and thirst, and in fact he would gradually sink into the mud and drown. You can imagine the panic that one might have you know, falling into such a situation. It would be a horrible way to die. Fortunately, he was rescued by an official who realized the futility of acting against a prophet of God. Jeremiah's prophecy, if you read forward a little bit from today's reading, you'll find it was fulfilled. Jerusalem fell, King Zedekiah's sons were slaughtered, and his house set on fire, and the people taken into exile in Babylon. The Gospel today opens with those wonderful but also um, alarming words of Jesus, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. Fire from God is sometimes sent, as we read in Scripture, as a chastisement, as it was sent upon Jerusalem, as we've just heard, for their idolatry in the time of Jeremiah, or upon Sodom and Gomorrah, as we heard a couple of weeks ago, for the sin of the Sodomites, the outcry against which had reached heaven. But fire is also essential for life. Where would we be without that huge ball of fire that rises every morning, provides us with light and heat during the day, and whose light, even after it has set, is reflected by the moon, the lesser light to rule the night, as the book of Genesis calls it. So we're never without that ball of fire that uh, gives us light and heat. Our Lord wanted to set the earth on fire with the fire of love that blazed in his most sacred heart. But first there was a baptism with which he had to be baptized, his passion and his death on the cross. We speak of the baptism of blood of those who die for the faith before they, are, before they have been baptized. One who is not baptized but dies in hatred of the faith in the midst of Christian persecution he is deemed to have been baptized by the shedding of his blood. So the shedding of his blood on the cross was Jesus' true baptism, that baptism which, for which he yearned. And only after that baptism in which he died, but from which he rose again, as we do when we're baptized, we descend and we arise again from the waters of baptism. And 40 days later, he ascended into heaven. Only after that could the Holy Spirit be sent, appearing in tongues of fire upon the head of each of the apostles and upon Our Lady too, inflaming the hearts of those once timid men, so that the gospel began to spread like wildfire 
in a manner that could not be controlled, whether by the Jewish or the Roman authorities. And still to this day, the fire of the gospel continues to be spread throughout the world and has not been extinguished. This in spite of opposition from those outside the church, but even sometimes from those within the church, who tell our modern day prophets to keep quiet or that their message is not suitable for modern day sensibilities or it's out of date and things have changed. The word of God is like a fire that spreads, that consumes, that renews. No doubt we're all very grateful that this summer has not been marked here by the wildfires that we've had in recent years. And yet we understand that wildfires are a natural phenomenon and necessary for clearing away old trees, old wood, and the means by which pine cones are popped, enabling seeds to fall to the ground, to take root, and to give rise to new wood, new trees. And such is the effect of the Word of God. There are some whose hearts will be set on fire, with an irrepressible desire to be consumed by this fire of Christ, to conform themselves more perfectly to him. And then they in turn will spread that fire to others. There are some even in the midst of the church who appear to be living members of the church because perhaps the green wood uh, conceals the dry wood, but really they're dry and they're dead wood. And when the fire comes, the fire of the word of God, they will reject it and will fall away. There are still others who will die for the word through martyrdom or through a radical consecration to Christ. And in that sense, they die to themselves. And they will be like the seeds of new life, those seeds that fall and die but bear new life. As the church says of her martyrs, the blood of martyrs is the seed of Christians. Following upon his expression of anguish until his baptism is accomplished, and the desire that his fire be enkindled, our Lord lets us know that the spread of this fire will lead not to peace, but to division. And he points out where that division in particular will occur, in the family of all places. A family of five will be divided, three against two and two against three, parents against children and uh, parents-in-law against uh, children-in-law. Not everybody in the family will embrace the faith. And in the family is where one will sometimes experience opposition to the faith. And one has a decision to make. There are those who say, and we understand what they mean, and in a certain sense it's true, that they will always put family first. But this cannot apply when it comes to our faith. And I've come across people who say, if it's going to be the family or the church, or the family or the faith, it's going to be the family. That is not what our Lord says. Our faith always comes first. And many saints have shown us this by their example of going against their parents in order to embrace uh, a call of Christ. The example that comes to mind most obviously is that of St. Francis of Assisi, who when perceiving the vocation to embrace sister poverty against the opposition of his father, who lay down on the floor saying, you'll have to walk over my body. Francis did precisely that in order to follow the vocation he had, been, he had received from our Lord. St. Maximilian Kolbe, 
whose martyrdom the church celebrates today, August 14th, was so radically consecrated to Christ, both as a Franciscan friar and a priest, that he was able to die to himself. He was able to offer his life as a sacrifice in place of a married man who had a family and who was one of nine prisoners condemned to death in punishment for the escape of a prisoner from Auschwitz concentration camp. Whenever, one, whenever a prisoner would escape, nine men were rounded up to be shot or killed. And Maximilian Kolbe, Father Maximilian, came forward and told, told the commander of the camp, I am a Catholic priest. I want to take this man's place because he has a wife and children. And so he was accepted and taken. He was not shot but put into a miserable cell just like that system that Jeremiah was put into. And uh, because he took some time to die of starvation and thirst, uh, the, the guards injected him with carbolic acid into his veins uh, to bring about his death. St. Maximilian taught, hatred is not a creative force. Only love is a creative power. But this love is a burning flame from the heart of Christ. In fact, we prayed in the collect of today's Mass that we will be, uh, our hearts will be warmed with the, with the, with the love of Christ so that we might, might love him in, the, in all things but above all things. This is what this fire of love does to us. It consumes us so that nothing comes between us and the love of God and, and Christ. If we were celebrating the Mass of St. Maximilian today after receiving Holy Communion, this would be our prayer. And it's a good prayer for us today as we receive the body and blood of our Lord and we pray that we might be consumed by that fire of his sacred heart. We would, we would pray, and we can make this prayer our own, with this, it is the church's prayer, that we would be renewed by the body and blood of Christ and so be inflamed with the same fire of charity that St. Maximilian received from this holy banquet.